0: How many attempts does it take to create a killer mobile app? In the case of one Brazilian-based company, the magic number was 29 because the next app they created, PlayKids, became a global sensation, outselling educational apps from stalwarts like ABC and Disney. Today we'll hear from Professor Linda Applegate about her case entitled Movely: Building a Global Technology Company. I'm your host Brian Kenny, and you're listening to Cold Call. So we are all sitting there in the
1: classroom.
0: The professor walks in. And, and they look up, and you know it's coming. Oh, the dreaded cold call. Professor Linda Applegate is the former head of the Entrepreneurial Management Unit at Harvard Business School and the current faculty chair of the Owner, President, and Manager Program for Executives. Her research focuses on the challenges of building new ventures and leading radical business innovation, and both of those themes seem to apply to Moville. Linda, welcome.
1: Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here.
0: So let me just ask you to set the case up for us. Tell us about the protagonist and and what's on his mind. The Mobley case describes the evolution of the company
1: from its launch in 1998 by Fabricio Bloisi, who at the time was a 21-year-old recent college graduate with a degree in computer science from a state university in southern Brazil. And it follows how he evolved the company, continuing to evolve his own leadership to become a global, mobile, content, and commerce company. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. 21 years old. Pretty amazing to think about that. And in under 20 years, uh, this enterprise has grown into uh, a global enterprise with 700 employees, I think.
1: That's right. The case is set in early 2015. As Vloisi reflects back on how Mobley had grown from a small team of entrepreneurs creating text messaging apps for mobile phones of the late 1990s, um, and in Brazil. And an example of that is the Motorola flip phone. Do you mm-hmm. remember the Motorola flip phone? I remember. I had
0: one. I remember them. Yeah. Most
1: people don't realize that smartphones didn't come out really for consumers until 2007. That's when the launch of the iPhone was. Remarkable. And so it really wasn't that popular before. And it certainly wasn't popular in Brazil mm-hmm. until later than that. Yeah. So he started by selling these mobile apps, text messages. Apps mm-hmm. to telecom providers in Brazil, yeah. um, and at the time he only had, you know, a small entrepreneurial team. As I said, the case follows the evolution of the company. Until 2015, it's actually what I call a real-time case uh where the ink rubs off on your fingers. And he now um, has evolved it to over 700 employees who work in 10 offices in Latin America and have actually opened an office in Silicon Valley.
0: What prompted you to write the case? Why were you interested in Mobley?
1: Well, I'm interested, first of all, in how a global technology company and how some of the more recent global technology companies um, can become both big and small simultaneously, that they can be lean, you know, performance-driven, large global companies mm-hmm. with all the power, resources, and reach of a large company, and yet they stay at their core to have the hunger, agility, spirit, and fire of a small company.
0: This episode of Cold Call is brought to you by Indeed, Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever, and that means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost the visibility of your job post at Indeed.com coldcall cold call. That's Indeed.com coldcall cold call. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. What are some of the challenges and growing pains that they're facing, that Fabricio is facing as he's moving down this path?
1: Well, Fabricio actually started by providing text messaging apps and selling them to telecom providers in Brazil. You only had a very few telecom providers, and there were no mobile app players back Mm -hmm. then. So he was able to come in with a very simple application Developed by him and a few of his friends and uh, start delivering that to the telecom providers who were able to reach many, many different users. Starting in 2012, they started to try to find: Can we sell applications directly mm-hmm. to consumers? And so they went through 29 different applications to see what would would fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until they um, developed PlayKids, yeah. one app that actually provides children with lots of mobile content, that they were able to then find an application that within months became a number one application for children in Brazil mm-hmm. and then around the world.
0: Yeah, and they were smart in terms of how they built their partnerships around that app. They chose some interesting partners like PBS and, and other of the, the business side players who could kind of grease the skids for them in getting to those audiences.
1: Yes, and what was interesting about that is they grew through acquisition. They received financing from a South African e-commerce giant, Mm -hmm. and were able to, in 2007, launch you know some of their e-commerce areas from that financing round. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things they did with the financing is they acquired a company called Yavox. Yavox actually did business. Uh, mobile apps. Mm -hmm. And their partners were Universal Studios and Globo in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to access content by acquiring a company that actually had those relationships with the uh, mobile payment you know, companies with bank with the banks and mobile payment, yeah, and also with the content players.
0: And and Fabrizio is probably in his late twenties at this point. So that's <laughs> right, exactly. Hard so to now imagine. We,
1: now he's uh, probably in his late twenties, yeah. right?
0: Can we talk about Fabrizio as a as a leader today, as opposed to the twenty one year old uh, that started this this company? What's his leadership style like?
1: I always say, uh, launching and scaling businesses is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so you can't understand Fabricio's leadership unless you look at the people that are around him too. So when Mobley started, there was one team of software developers. Mm-hmm. But as the company grew, they had to actually build out a leadership team where Fabricio really plays is in that innovator strategist kind of role. He's so. the one that's looking out and saying, where do we need to go next, and really thinking about where the the company strategy is going to go. Around him, he has people like um, uh, his current CFO, who is a tremendously solid performance, you know, at performance-driven kind of management Mm -hmm. systems and operating systems. He's got a really good COO, who really knows how to run today's operations he's got a tremendous head of uh, talent management yeah. who really knows how to attract and retain the best people all of them work together to create that culture that allows the company to be very strong you know performance driven large organization with a very entrepreneurial culture that keeps the people and the talent and everyone kind of excited about being part of a global tech
0: company. For uh, the emerging uh, entrepreneur who's listening to this podcast, who uh, who's wondering if it's possible to grow to the size that they want to, but still be entrepreneurial, what would you advise them to do?
1: I'd say for sure, yes, it is possible. Um, People have been studying and trying to identify how can we be big and yet at the same time uh, uh, small and agile and act like an entrepreneurial firm. Nowadays, that's possible. The second thing is it used to be that people felt entrepreneurs didn't scale. Uh, So there's been a lot of research that said that an entrepreneur had to give up his company or her company Mm -hmm. when they got big. And we now know that's not true. And, in fact, entrepreneurs can scale. And there's some tremendous research that's been done that shows that the firms, the entrepreneurs who are able to scale have to surround themselves with a team that covers all four of those roles. And more importantly, the entrepreneurial team needs to act like entrepreneurs. They Mm -hmm. have to think like entrepreneurs. And they have to be a team in more than name only. So they have to listen to one another. They have to respect one another. I find a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're building their teams, they try to find people that are just like them. And the truth of the matter is, you need people that play different roles as your organization scales. And so you have to learn to respect those roles and to listen to people who play those roles and to work together as an executive team even as the company grows.
0: Great advice from Professor Linda Applegate. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Brian, for having me.
0: You can find this case along with thousands of others in the Harvard Business School case collection at hbr.org. I'm Brian Kenney. Thanks for listening to Cold Call, the official podcast of Harvard Business School.